0: Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin, lost without hope and no place to begin. Your love made. a savior displayed on a criminal's cross In darkness rejoice there's no heaven and law don't forsake us. That there is power in your name that when we call on you, we can call on you with faith, Father, knowing you're going to hear our cry. Knowing that we don't have to earn anything, Father, but we just have to trust in you. Surrender our lives to you, Lord. So we magnify your name above all. For your name is the name above all names. There is power in the name of Jesus. And we rejoice in that truth, Father. So we sing your name loud and proud. We declare it over our lives. So let's sing this out together. done and it's our story too because it's because of what he'd done that we now have hope that we have the promise that if we put our faith and we put our trust in him we are accepted as sons and daughters of the most high king and I don't know about you but that just completely humbles me because we are so unworthy see his grace and his mercy and his love is not something that we earn or we attain is freely given, sacrificed. All we have to do is receive it and believe it. And I have just seen this play out in my life. You know, when I read these scriptures and, and I see all these stories of God's faithfulness and all these miracles that he's performed and I begin to reflect on my own life. You know what, it wasn't just for those times, it's for here and now he is constantly moving. He is constantly working miracles. See, I am a testament of that. He has saved me from my old self And he has made me new. And each and every single one of you have testimony after testimony of how you've been impacted by the amazing love and grace of Jesus. And so I think so many times we we maybe take that for granted or we just get distracted with life where we just need to pause, rest in his goodness and in his presence and say, my goodness, Father, you've been faithful. God, you've been so Faithful Miracle after miracle after miracle you have performed. Then the same God that performed them yesterday is the same God that is here and present now and is the same God that will be to come. So even what he did yesterday, he will do again. So I just want us to take these moments, just reflect. The fact is, we all are here. Everyone under the sound of my voice right now has breath in their lungs. Why? Because of him. We have a promise and we have a hope for a future. Why? Because of Him. We have the ability to to worship in freedom. Why? Because we are here because of Him. Let's not take these miracles for granted. Let's not take these moments for granted. But let's just rejoice. Let's worship Him. Can we do that together? Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done, Father. Let us not take anything for granted, Jesus. All my life I've been carried by grace. Don't ask me how, cause I can't explain. It's nothing short of a miracle I'm here. I've got some blessings that I don't deserve I got some scars but that's how you learn Nothing short of a miracle I'm here I think it over and it doesn't matter I know it comes from above Cause I've got miracles on miracles. A million little miracles. I've got miracles on miracles. Count your miracles. One, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. Yeah, I can't even count. Help me steady so I wouldn't give. You opened doors that nobody could shut. I hope I never get over all you've done. No, I never want to get over. I want to live with an open heart. I want to live like I know who you are. I hope I never get over what you've done. Oh. It's not coincidence and it's not. I know it comes from above. Yes, I've got miracles on miracles, a million little miracles. I've got miracles on miracles. We count your miracles. One, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. Miracles on miracles. A million little miracles. Yeah, we see. Count your miracles on miracles. Count your miracles one, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. I can't even count them all. I can't even, I can't even count them all. I can't even, I can't even count them all. I can't even, I can't even count them all. You faithful. Again. I can't even, I can't
1: even count faithfulness them all. never ray. I can
0: even, I can't even count them all. Yes, one, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. You are faithful. Oh, it's faithful. I can even I can even always faithful. I can't even cause you are faithful. Praises rise. I, I, can't can't even, even, I can't even. You don't count stop on. thinking about all He's done. I can't even, I you can't don't stop thinking on. about all He's done. I can't even count on my miracles, on miracles, a million little miracles. I've got miracles, on miracles. Count your miracles, one, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. Miracles on miracles, a million little miracles. Yeah, I've got miracles on miracles. Count your miracles, one, two, three, four. I can't even count. You got miracles. You are always faithful. You're faithful, God. You're faithful, Lord. From beginning to end, you are faithful, God. I got miracles on oh, miracles, a million little miracles. Yeah. I've got miracles on oh, miracles. Count your miracles One, two, three, four I can't even count God miracles on miracles. Count your miracles. One, two, three, four. I can even count them all.
2: Father, we thank you that you're still in the miracle working business. We thank you, Father, that when we were lost in our sins and our trespasses, you provided the miracle of your son through the incarnation, to move into the neighborhood, (laughs) to restore our relationship with you. And you haven't stopped, Father. You're still in a miracle working business. Wherever we are, whatever we're going through, whatever our situation, you still have the power to speak into the situation and make a miracle happen. And, Father, uh, not only that, you want to use us. You want to wear us and to empower us and to fill us in such a way that we become a miracle in the lives of people around us. And so, Father, would you just do what you do best? Would you produce miracles all around us of restored relationships, of addiction, chains, that addictive chains being broken in the lives of your people. Lord, sometimes it needs to be financial. Sometimes it's a health miracle. And you're still in the business of speaking and making people whole in the name of Jesus. So thank you, Father. And Father, help us not to be so blind as not to see what you're doing all around us the small and large miracles that you are making happen in in our lives. And, Father, help us to be grateful. And, Lord, as we go through this service and we hear about more opportunities for you to produce miracles throughout the globe, Father, help us to be those who would hear your voice and help us to say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening and we will obey. Thank you for what you're doing in this day we give you praise because you are the God of miracles. We pray this in your name. Amen. Please be seated. We're so glad you're here today. And today we continue to look at what it means to engage the vision and mission that we have been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And um, we're excited about things that are happening in our, in our nation and in the state as we uh, are hearing the CDC and the governor uh, talk afresh and anew about relaxing uh, COVID-19 um, uh, mitigation, uh, th- 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 things that we were doing to try to mitigate the COVID-19 um, disease or whatever you want to call it, I guess, a virus. And so we're glad that in the next couple of days, uh, next couple of days and weeks, we'll be continuing to open things up more. So you should have received a, a text or email from me that told you a little bit more about that. And we understand that people will come in and be in different places in their journeys. And so we just want you to be comfortable as you come. And, uh, but we will continue to kind of open things up uh, as, uh, as we continue to get uh, good news about vaccines working and different things like that. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for those. Those who are watching us online. Well, today, uh, today we're going to talk about a global kind of engagement of our mission and vision. And uh, so, I want to introduce to you, not for the first time, but uh, uh, Kelly Pageant, Pastor Kelly Pageant, who's going to talk to you about something that God laid on his heart. And I'm excited because, because God laid it on his heart, and it kind of there was some synergy to it. Uh, we are planting Selem Fields Community Church in the Philippines, and Pastor Kelly, yeah, (laughs) and Pastor Kelly is going to lead us in that uh, effort, and so you've already given Pastor Kelly a warm Selling feels welcome. You can do it again. There you go. God bless you.
3: It's warm enough under these lights, I'll tell you that, so just save that for later. (laughs) It's pretty smart to wear a flannel shirt when it's like 10,000 degrees on stage, so that's one of the many great decisions that you'll find me making in the future. So by all means, support me. <laughs> you know, I'll be wearing this in the Philippines and I'll look like a melting snowman. It's pretty cool. So, uh, anyways, I'm so thankful to be here. I, I, uh, I love you all. We've we've had a quite a journey, have we not, over the many years? And uh, it was interesting. I actually didn't say this at nine o'clock. i was just thinking like this is. Uh, one of the probably very final times that I'll be able to speak from this stage for quite some time, um, but I will be speaking daily uh, on your behalf in a whole other place. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, uh, we are gearing up for to kick the devil where it hurts the most, and I think it's funny. I told one of my friends I was talking to a pastor the other day on the phone, and I said, you know, I just really want to go kick the devil in a in a in a bad place like that, and he just laughed, right? And I was like, "That'd make a good shirt," <laughs> you know. And so, anyway, just check the website. Maybe those will go on sale soon. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, um, so I am Kelly Pageant, right? Thank you. <laughs> in case you were wondering, if you're new here, this is probably baffling you, and as well it should. But that's okay. <laughs> But what I do see, and allow me to adapt this from Braveheart, so I don't need anybody coming up and telling me that uh, like you figured it out, because I'm just going to tell you ahead of time. But what I do see is an army of my brothers and sisters gathered here today to, to fight the tyranny of modern-day slavery and darkness. And you all came in this place, and you're gathered here today as free men and women, and free you are. But the question that I would have for you, and it's one that I actually would demand an answer of you, if you're willing, is what will you do with that freedom? Will you fight? And I'm asking you now, will you fight? And at the end of this, we're going to keep asking this question over and over again, because in fact, we are called to fight. Now, the good news is the general has said that the battle is won. So as we march forward, we do this in confidence, but it doesn't make it any less scary. And so I would understand if some of you that are here would say, I- I'm not ready to fight. I'd rather run. And run, and you may live. But I would wager that one day in your bed, many years from now, you will look back And just maybe you'd be willing to trade every moment from that day till this day for just one more chance to come back and look the enemy in his eye and let him know that he may indeed take our lives, but he will never take the freedom in Christ. Libertatum in Christo. Can you say that with me? Libertatum in Christo. Freedom in Christ. That is the foundation of all that we are and the only reason that we're here. Libertatum in Christo. Freedom in Christ. So I ask you just one more time, will you fight? with me, then I will fight for and with you. And I need your help to do that. But as we move into this darkness, we would be fools if we didn't have a plan. We would be fools if we just ran off into the darkness and hoping for the best so what I've decided to do is, is look at some of the battle plans of the past. I mean, some of the greatest generals of the day. Toby, am I right? Is it, is it Military Appreciation Week? The whole month? Well, listen, let me pay my homage to those that have sacrificed their life for just the, the chance to have this conversation with you. By doing what they've done in the past, they've learned that... Some of the, the, the ways that wars were fought are, are some of the, the wisest ways for us to attack things today, right? I mean, they've looked at battles of the past to figure out how to fight battles of, of today and the future. And so I decided, well, this is what I'm going to do. If I want to create something that's going to, to push back darkness and break chains, then maybe I should go look at people who have done it. And what greater example than Jesus himself? And so I started looking, and I realized... Jesus personally engaged people that were caught in the sex trade. He personally freed women who had been enslaved to the sex trade. It's not new. This is something that's been happening since the beginning of time. You know... I, I said to the first crowd, and, and sometimes I say this just to remind myself what I said and what I didn't say. So, pardon me for that. But the first group that was here, it's it's it doesn't. It's a cursory glance of the news to recognize that the specter of slavery keeps coming up cyclically over and over again. We're, we're reminded of the stain of slavery in this country, and it's a conversation that needs to be had. I really, I really think we need to have the conversation and and be real about what's happened. But make no mistake, a historical discussion of what happened in the past and its impact on where we are today does not mitigate the current slavery that's happening in the world everywhere else. And as we have the luxury of discussing something that happened in the past, there are our brothers and sisters that are caught in slavery right now, in this moment millions of boys and girls are in the sex industry, trapped and enslaved with no hope. So I don't want to diminish any discussion of our history and how it affects us today, but I certainly am not foolish enough to allow that to distract me from the current slavery that's happening right now. And that's exactly what the enemy would have us do. Let's think about the past and not focus on what's happening now. It's classic misdirection, and I won't have it. So as we move into this discussion, it's not something theoretical we're talking about or something historical. It's something that's happening today, right now. Jesus impacted people that were caught in the exact same bondage that we're talking about. But here's our foundational scripture, John 8, 36, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And in truth, this entire love letter is a letter of freedom. You want to know what the power to smash the darkness that we're talking about, the, the the sickness, the depravity, the evil. It's not going to be millions of U.S. dollars. It's not going to be uh, armed soldiers. It's not going to be uh, any TV coverage, none of that. It's the power of the word of God. In fact, Revelation tells us, how do we defeat this beast? How do we defeat him? Well, he's defeated by the blood of the lamb and by the power of our testimony. And that's, the battle that we're about to fight. So let's find out. What did Jesus do with these people? Well, there's three great stories I want to draw your attention to. Number one, John 8, 1 through 11 tells the story of an adulterous woman. I don't want to read it to you. I want to tell you the story, if you would allow me. I feel like Mr. Rogers. I should take the shirt off and put my, uh, my story. Uh, uh, what do they call those things? A cardigan? Yeah, okay, I was going to say schmock, but that's like painting, right? And that sounds like schmuck, which makes me laugh, and so the whole thing's no good. So, what, what is this story that, oh, that's right, I promise not to move around a lot. Jamie, I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> so you people online can watch me without watching the camera do that. Jesus had to be the biggest pain in the butt the Pharisees could have possibly imagined. Everything they tried to do, They failed. And I know he was so irritating for them. So there's a story where Jesus and, and his teaching and he's undermining this, these, you know, millennia of oppression from these ruling elites. And they're getting madder and madder. And they get to a point where they're like, we got to kill this guy. So they, they run out. They're trying to find him. And, and the Bible talks about him, that somehow he slides through the crowd as if like they weren't able to touch him. Right. I mean, they can't get their hands on Jesus. And they're like, oh, I just want to kill this guy. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't go into hiding. He goes right back to where he was and keeps doing it. So we, here we find Jesus in the court temple, or the temple court, excuse me, and he's teaching a bunch of people. He's kind of like this, except he's not on a stage. He's down on the ground with them, and he's got people gathered around him, and he's telling them about the hope of the kingdom. And all of a sudden, you hear this ruckus in the background, if you can imagine. And you see this group of men approaching, dragging a half-naked woman behind them. And so, of course, the teaching is interrupted. There's a murmuring amongst the crowd saying, what's happening? Jesus probably has his back to the situation. He turns around and he sees this scene developing. Next thing you know, this half-naked woman is thrown into the dirt. And this semicircle of pious men forms around this woman, all facing Jesus. And they say to him, Rabbi, Moses said that when a woman is caught in adultery like this woman, she's to be stoned to death. We're curious, Rabbi, what do you say should happen? Well, they're hoping that he would defy the law of Moses, and surely he wouldn't be able to escape them then. Well, we know the story, but I'd like to think one of the things that Jesus did first was step in front of the woman between her accusers and her, rescuing her. You stay here, I'll handle this. And so the story famously moves forward that instead of responding to this trap, Jesus squats down and begins to write in the sand. Now, historically speaking, we have no idea what Jesus was writing there, it wasn't recorded that we know of. But what, what some of the rabbis and, and historians of the past have, have speculated was that it was a, a, a kind of an interesting thing. Like a, uh, they, were, they had these, these certain situations that they were scared to death of things that, that Jews, like we like, like see a black cat or walking under a ladder, stuff like that. Like, uh, what are they called? Yeah, superstition, right, right. So they had this superstition that you never wrote somebody's name in the dust. Because if, you, if the wind were to come along and blow it away, that, that's in effect saying, you're gone. So it's almost like wishing somebody dead. So they, they, some people have guessed from, from old, old uh, thoughts like Augustine and people like that, that, that Jesus was writing the names of all the accusers in the dust. So he squats down and starts to write. Can you imagine what it looks like when they're just all worked up and they're expecting to to stone this sinner and to catch Jesus? It's like they're so gleeful. And then all of a sudden, instead of speaking, he squats down and starts writing their name in the dust. And they're like, oh man, that's not good. You know? And then famously, Jesus stands up and he says, well, whichever you is... Sinless, you throw first. And then he squats down and starts to write again. How irritating was that? One simple phrase, whichever among you is perfect, you throw first. I'll wait. And he squats back down. Next thing you know, all you hear is the thudding of rocks hitting the ground as these men quickly recognize their error they are not in a position to judge either because none of them was sinless. In fact, the only one that could have thrown a stone decided not to, but to squat on the ground and draw. After they're gone, Jesus turns to this poor woman who's probably in shock and says, where are your accusers? Well, they've they've all left. Well, I'm not here to accuse you either. But... Stop harming yourself. See what what historians believe about this woman is was she she was a, a form of a prostitute, and and what what would happen was married men would would use her as as they would. And that she would just kind of move from place to place and, and she would just try to survive. Because being unmarried herself, she didn't have a job. She didn't have income. She didn't have a way to, to, to feed herself, frankly, or do anything. The only thing that she believed probably that she had to, available was her body. And so she used it if she had to. And and she was just treated like garbage, passed from person to person. And so a lot of people believe that this was a setup, actually. It was like a sting. That they, they had this person hire her and begin the process so that she could be caught and used against Jesus, this is a huge elaborate plan. And, and then all of a sudden, here she is caught and, and, and she's about to die and she, she already knows that she's supposed to die. She knows that she's wrong. And it, as if her lifestyle wasn't enough for her to feel worthless and have no hope whatsoever, now this lifestyle has led her to death. But instead, this sand-drawing rabbi... Turns and says, I'm not here to condemn you, but I don't want you to keep harming yourself. Jesus rescued her and he restored her. In effect, saying, I'm not here to condemn you because you matter. Your life matters. That image within you, the image of the Father, that matters. And then he resourced her. He said, stop doing what you're doing. Go and live in the hope of the image and the salvation of the Father and the kingdom. And then he released her to re-engage. He rescued her. He restores her, he resources her and re- he re her. And we're still reading about her today. That's what a singular meeting with the risen Savior can do for one prostitute. Let's look at another story. The woman at the well. you know the story, John 4, 4 through26. This is a great story, another Jesus moment. Jesus was not terribly efficient. Jesus was moving from here to here and went this way. Okay, so here's a two-hour walk. Let's make it 24, right? Can you imagine the disciples like, man, do you, can't you read a map? I mean, man, just go south, bro. <laughs> like, why are we going over here? So Jesus makes this detour through Samaria, and now they're really like, we hate them. That'd be like us driving to New York and deciding to go through Philadelphia. (laughs) Why would we do that? They're terrible people. Right, Chris? (laughs) She's out in the lobby. In your face! I'm leaving. You can't do anything about it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So anyway, in all seriousness, they hated each other, the Samaritans and the Jews, and they had a long history, and they had legitimate reasons to really not like each other. The funny thing is they're, they're related, but it's the fact that they're only partially related that angered the Jews so much and made them hate the Samaritans, which once you're hated for a while, you just start to hate back. But that's how it works, believe it or not, which should tell you how we could fix that. So Jesus, in his wisdom, takes this giant detour through Samaria. He walks up to this well and he says, you guys go buy some food for us. And they're thinking, well, why the heck are we here in the first place? This is stupid. But okay, let's go buy food because apparently we didn't have any food with us either. So great job. Good planning, Judas. Thank you. You're a winner. So then they go off to buy food. Jesus sits at the well. Next thing you know, it's midday. This woman starts walking up and she's got the the yoke on her shoulders and the two pots hanging and she's there to get water. Now that's not unusual until you recognize that women went to draw water in the morning. Because it's like 10,000 degrees in Samaria in the middle of the day. And because people don't like walking on the sun... They they go early in the morning to avoid the heat. And they all go at the same time. So it, it, it tells you very quickly something's wrong with this woman that she would come in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, when no other women were around. They didn't want her there. She was outcast. She was marginalized. And she was shunned. So she did what she had to do to survive. So as she comes walking up, She sees this Jew sitting there. Imagine that. She's like, what is going on today? So she's there to do her business, and this guy says to her, hey, would you mind giving me a drink of water? And she says, who are you a Jew? Because for the first time in a long time, she's feeling pretty powerful because she's on her turf. You know, she's like, this is my well. You don't belong here. And my village is right there. I've got backup in case you want to start problems. So she's like, who are you, a Jew, to ask me, a Samaritan, for water? And he says, well, I tell you what, how about I give you water? How about I give you water that you'll never thirst again? She's like, sir, you don't have anything to dip water out, which is why you asked me, incidentally. So how are you supposed to get me this water, and water that I won't thirst ever again? She says, only Messiah could do that. And he says, exactly. That's who you're talking to. Messiah. He's like, "What? Messiah, tell me more." And he says, "Well, yeah, I'll tell you more, but go get your husband and bring him here so I can tell you both at the same time. I don't want to waste my I'm parched. I don't want to waste my breath." "Oh, sir. But well, I don't have a husband." "Oh, you're right. You don't have a husband." He says, "You've had 5 and the man that you're living with now is not your husband either." Now, again, if you would allow me, here's what historians believe about that. That's called a situational prostitute, meaning this woman would live with men that would allow her to live there. She would live as a servant, which was a live-in sex partner, until they got sick of her, and then she would move to the next person, the next person, and she would clean and cook and and draw water and do all the stuff that a a house servant would do, along with satisfying his carnal needs. And she would just move from place to place, because that's the only way she could live. So once again, Jesus has engaged a sex worker who's traded her freedom for just survival. And so, after this interaction about the husband and these things, she's shaken. She just realized he wasn't kidding. This is Messiah. What does she do? She drops the pots. She runs back to town and she says, hey, I know you all hate me. I know I don't have a voice here. I know I'm not worth anything, but I just met Messiah. You've got to come see him. He just told me everything about myself. I'm not lying. You've got to see this. The passion of her testimony the strength of her, of the fact that she ran into the middle of these people that had marginalized her and hated her, that she would come with the audacity to tell them this, got these people interested. The Bible records that because of the power of her testimony, all the people in the surrounding area came to faith. So, what happens, I ask you, when Jesus meets a sex worker? An entire city is changed. Do you think one poor, marginalized sex worker is worth it then? Are they worth fighting for then? Jesus thought so. Let's go to the next and last. The weeping woman we call her, Luke seven thirty six through 50. Another great story. Here Jesus is invited to dinner at a Pharisee's house and they're there and they're questioning him. They're not entertaining him because they like him. They're trying to trap him as usual. So he's reclining at the table, meaning it's a low table. His feet are sticking out towards the door and his, his face is close to the table and he's eating. Next thing you know, this woman barges in. Now you have to understand, they weren't inside like a, a dining room where she comes barging to the door. They're most likely out in the courtyard. People are gathered outside of the gate listening to the rabbi talk. That was very common. Um, you very infrequently had dinner alone. It wasn't very a private place. So they're surrounded by people anyway. But you never expect a woman and this kind of woman to come barging her way into a Pharisee's house. Just didn't happen. But she does. She comes rushing in. She stops at Jesus' feet. She drops to her knees. The Bible records that she weeps on his feet and she takes her hair out and dries his feet with her hair before anointing them with, with a precious ointment that she earned from prostitution. Now, a lot of things happened right then. The Pharisees... It's a kind of an interesting thing in Greek. It's called a secondary statement. It basically says this. It doesn't say it in English, but in the Greek it does. Here's what, what happened. The Pharisees, in his mind, said, if he, if he was a prophet, and he's not, that's actually what it says. If he was a prophet, and he's not, but if he was, he would know the kind of woman that just touched his feet. So now I know he's not a prophet. Of course, Jesus picked up on that. He knows what's going on. But here's the interesting thing. In that culture you would, as a woman, would never show your hair to anybody that wasn't your husband or your immediate family. Just didn't happen. Just never happened. So when she did that, folks, what she was basically signaling to Jesus, I submit. I submit everything who I am as a woman, broken and flawed and useless, I'm told I submit to you. Jesus goes on to tell a little story, we call it a parable, to make a point to them about forgiveness. But what he does at the end is the powerful part. He says, after teaching the Pharisees a lesson, he looks at her and he says, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. And not only that, but your story will be told from generation to generation to generation. We are here in part because of the story of one prostitute who overcame all shame and knelt at the feet of the Savior and anointed his feet with her tears and took her hair down in submission and dried his feet. Her story is why we sit here today in part. So again, I ask you, how important is the life of God one sex worker, I'd say pretty important because Jesus felt that way. So what are we we going to do? God led me and my wife to create a foundation called REACH. Part of Salem Fields, REACH Philippines. What's REACH? It's rescuing everyone craving hope and freedom. Because there are people today trapped in slavery whose only hope is there a chance I can get out of this. They're not doing it by choice. They don't want to sell themselves. They don't have a choice. And there's nowhere for them to go. There's no way for them to get home. There's no way for them to feed themselves. And you think I'm blowing this out of proportion. I promise you I'm not. There is more, it's 10 times more likely right now to die from starvation than it is from COVID in the Philippines. Starvation. Because the the major part of the industry is tourism and the major part of the tourism industry is sexual tourism. So all of these women that were once used to satisfy these needs are now left with nothing. Nothing except broken hearts and broken spirits but before i tell you more i just want you to watch this video
4: Something that's sort of unique about the Philippines is prostitution is actually illegal. So what they do is these bar owners go to the the villages right outside of big cities and tell these young girls that there's work in the city. So if you'll just come work, you can be a waitress or you can work at a restaurant, you can provide for yourself and your family. And so they come without any way to get back home or without any any way to, to call and get help. And once they get to the bars, Um, They say, okay, you're not a waitress anymore, you're actually going to be working on stage. And people can come in and, and offer to buy you for the night. And sort of the way that people get around prostitution being illegal is you don't actually pay for the girls to be with them. You pay a bar fine, which means you pay the bar for them to be off for the night. We go to this really small bar right outside of like where the main walking street is and uh, we walk into this bar there's probably only about 10 girls on stage and as soon as we walk in i see this this young lady and i knew immediately that i was supposed to talk to her so um, we sat down we got settled and and i told the waitress hey i would like to talk to this girl i pointed at her and she looked at me looked back at the girl and said you want to talk to her i said yes she goes oh she's a virgin you'll like that I said, absolutely I would, I would like to talk to her. So um, they call her down and she sits down, she's very nervous. And I found out that it was actually her first week working in the bar. So um, we just begin to ask her about her hopes and her dreams and what she wants to do Uh, when she grows up. Does she wanna go to school? And of course she does. We begin to ask her just about, do you ever wanna not be in this? She begins to tell us how she doesn't really wanna do this, that she feels trapped, she feels like, there's no hope for her to not do this. Her family is relying her on her uh, to provide and she feels she feels hopeless. So um, we just told her, you know, if you wanna leave, you can come with us tonight. There's there's a place that you can stay and we'll take care of you. And she begins to, to weep. Um, and I mean, really, really just cry at the, even the abil- even the hope that she doesn't have to do this anymore. She just threw tears in her eyes, says, yeah, I, I wanna leave. So I talked to, um, Uh, one of the leaders of the organization, I just said, hey, she's ready to go right now. Uh, Is that possible? How do we do that? And basically, over the course of a few minutes, the the leader told us that really the only way to do this safely is for you to pay the bar fine. And I said, "You know, absolutely. So we paid 60 US dollars for her to walk out in freedom that night. We walk out of this club and you see her countenance change and a smile and and even laughter. And I, I just stood there in awe of seeing this this reckless love of God reach into darkness and pull somebody into freedom.
3: Man, hey, I don't know about you, but that is is—I uh, just—I just don't know how that doesn't break your heart, man. $60 to buy someone's freedom? I mean, come on. I mean, you don't know what it's like to walk up and down the street and see hundreds of these girls who all had hopes and dreams like all of us and like for our children, who all wanted to be something and who've just become a play toy for some passing stranger with 60 bucks. <laughs> that video is from a, a, a partner organization that, that, I've, uh, that God led me to. It's called Wipe Every Tear. I, I love them so much and, and um, I, they've helped me so much. They're they're in northern Philippines in Manila and north of there and and they uh, they don't have any. It's, God in His infinite wisdom has chosen to send me to Cebu which is in the middle of the country and uh, and they don't have anything there. And so when I when I told them that where God was calling me and they just wept and we we cried and we prayed on the phone together and uh, they're just so thankful because they've been praying that God would send more people you know and so it's. You look at that and you say, people ask me all the time, what's your goal? You know, how many people do you want to save? And I'm like, man, I just want to save one. I just want to rescue one because I know from the authority of scripture that when you rescue one, it could mean millions, but it all starts with one. And I know that God's preparing one for us because I, I see her in my mind. I can see her. I know she's, she's waiting you know, and, and so what, what, what is it we're going to do if you're wondering, well, we're going to do exactly that. It starts with rescuing. We're going to go into the belly of the beast. We're going to go into the darkness. We're going to go into the devil's strongholds, and we're going to kick him in the teeth with the power of our testimony and the blood of the lamb, and we're going to lead someone out. And I don't care what it costs. I've sold everything to go and do. I don't care about the cost. And I don't care what it costs me personally anymore. I really don't care. Because I know that there's someone that's waiting to be free. And after they're rescued, God's going to lead us into a place of restoration. We're, going to, we're establishing a safe house. They've, they've done the same thing. They have five houses now. We're going to start with one. And there, we're going to provide a place of emotional, physical, and spiritual healing. We're going to live as community. We're going to eat together. We're going to train together. We're going to pray together, worship together. We're just going to live in community of hope because that's what we can do. And we know that the Holy Spirit will do the rest. We just are going to be faithful. And during that time, we're going to resource these people. We're going to teach them. We're going to give them job skills that we've, we're uniquely qualified to do. We're also going to help them get to college. Interestingly, college is free in the Philippines what it, well, for public school. What it costs you is for your books and for the labs and for the tests and for the uniforms. And that's enough to keep most people from getting there and realizing their dream. And believe it or not, even the most menial of jobs requires a college degree. And I mean that. I'm not talking corporate jobs. I'm talking working in a, in a, a department store selling jeans if you don't have a college degree, you don't get the job. That's how important it is. And we're going to give them that chance. We're going to send them to school and give them the opportunity. And then we're going to help them re-engage. God has, has made a way for us. You may not, I'm sure you don't know this, but Cebu, Philippines is the call center capital of the world. Almost all major corporations have a call center, a help center or an outbound sales center or an inbound sales center in in Cebu because they do, most of them speak some form of English. The better English you are, the more money you'll make in the call center. It's a great job, but there's a lot of competition. So the more trained you are, the better chance you have. It just so happens my wife's cousin manages one. So we already have a pathway for uh, our trainees to get hired. And also, interestingly enough, when I was in college, I was a call center trainer. Which I hated at the time, and I never knew that 55 years ago, God was going to use that. Which my dad retired from AT&T, and I worked for MCI. It was a point of great fun at Christmas, I remember one time my dad's right here he doesn't remember saying this I'm sure but he told me he goes you are taken away from from your own like one day like the money that you're going to get you know you're killing yourself working for MCI so but they folded up anyway so you were right and we were wrong anyway so but that's how cool God is he orchestrated all of this long before he even put this dream in my heart the reason this came about is my first trip there, I was walking down the street, and I was approached by, by three girls, and they got in my personal space. And when I mean they got my personal space, I mean they got my personal space. And as we're, they're walking towards me, I'm kind of walking around, they walk right up, and like, you know, like they're going to roll me and take my wallet or something, but they're like this tall. And so, at any rate, so as they walk up right, so the, the center girl gets right up in front of me, and she reaches out and grabs me where it's not okay to do that. And she looks in my face and she says, you want a massage or anything else? Whatever you want. And so my first instinct was move the hand and step back. My second instinct was when I looked down in her eyes and most of their eyes are, are black. They're pitch black. I looked into her eyes and what I saw was nothing. The shine, the spark of life was gone. And it broke my heart. And I saw it over and over and over again. And I said, God, what do you, this can't be. What can we do? Of course, my first instinct is, I'm just gonna raise money. I'll raise money and I'll I'll send it to somebody. And God's like, no, man, you're going. You're going. Other people will pay for you to go. You could just go. I was like, all right, (laughs) Because I promised a long time ago, I said, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. I promise you I'll be obedient. And I promise you this, if you say that, he's going to hold you accountable to it. The day's going to come when you say, I'll be radically generous. How generous are you, God says. Are you serious? I'll be radically faithful. Really? Well, sell all your favorite stuff and move to a foreign country where everybody is half the size of you. And you walk around like a melting snowman. Because that's what I look like when I'm there, just... All right, Lord. If you make it happen, I'll do it. Well guess what? He made it happen. Reach, rescuing everyone craving hope and freedom. How do we do it? Rescue. Restore. Resource. Re-engage. I cannot do this without your help. That's the bottom line. I can do a lot of things. And I promise you this: I'll trade anything for that one person. And I don't say that as false bravado or to sound cool to you because I really don't care what anyone thinks. But I have committed to my Lord and Savior, I will do anything for this, whatever the cost. You said that you would fight, some of you more fervently than others, but I would ask you yet once again, seeing what you've seen and knowing these are real people, that's not B-roll from some just picking it up over the years that's a real video from a real street with real human beings who are being sold like cattle for 60 bucks and I asked you just one last time will you fight with me because I'm going to go do it I just need your help please I beg you pray for me we're going into the belly of darkness and the enemy's not going to take it he already tried to attack my family He's already tried to stop it. But my God's overcome. The battle is won, my Lord said. It is finished, he said. So I have the ability to look the devil in the eye and say, That's not going to work, bro. He's not going to stop trying, but that's okay because my God is greater. We have a chance to do something different in this world. We have a chance to end modern slavery one human being at a time. Would you consider helping? That's all I ask. If you wanna help, that QR code right there will take you to my website. My website is live, it'll tell you more. You uh, you get to introduce to my wife there, she's on there. But that will take you and get you started. What I've decided to do is a little different. (laughs) I'm gonna document everything that we do Every time we walk in a place, all of these people that have tried to hide in the shadows are not going to be able to hide from me. We're going to expose it. You're going to see YouTube videos. You're going to see Instagram reels. You're going to see posts on a regular basis. And I'm going to call out the darkness until I'm either gone or it's gone. So you want to do that? You can go there, put your email address in. You'll start receiving stuff as it comes out. First thing I need, I got to get there. And the devil's trying to do everything he can. He's using governments against me, but it won't stop me. Because we will invade his darkness. And the light always overcomes the dark. So I ask you, if you want to partner with me, I'd make this promise to you. I will not go down without a fight. Our God is Greater. He is a chain breaker. He is a life giver. He is the hope bringer. And He is the reason why we're here today. And everyone else deserves that chance. Let's pray. Father God, you have made a way. You are destroying darkness one square meter at a time. And God, thank you for the chance to participate in your mission. It is yours. There's nothing new about what no, all the catchphrases and the catchy acronyms. Lord, thank you for that, but that is nothing compared to the purity of what you're doing to rescue your sons and daughters from slavery. Thank you for calling us to fight with you. Thank you for the opportunity to walk into the darkness protected by you. Thank you for those that are waiting for us to come. God, we will be faithful, we'll be radically obedient no matter the cost. I just ask you to allow us to do what you've called us to do. Make it possible, God. And please, bring those who are willing alongside. I thank you for the chance, Father. All that happens is in your name and in your glory. Amen.
2: Amen, thank you, Pastor Kelly. when Pastor Kelly began to share his heart with me and began to share this dream, this big, hairy, audacious dream that God had given him, it resonated in my heart. Because uh, we're the kind of people who stand against darkness. And um, so here's what I want to do. I want to um, make this something that will um, enable you to support. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, I, I'm looking for at least thirty at least thirty families individuals who would say I would give a hundred dollars a month twelve hundred dollars a year for a couple of years so that we can plant and support Pastor Kelly and his wife and his family there as they stand against the darkness and so um, even today, everything is ready. You can go to our get on online giving. You can pull up down a little app there and you can sign up for Salem Fields, Philippines, and you can say, I want to make a monthly gift of this amount. Some of you, a hundred dollars will be for you. Someone, some body might want to get 200, 300, whatever the case might be. But we want to, uh, we want to plant and stand with, right. And support his family as they stand in the darkness. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about it because God began to, as I listened to his vision, God began to say, why not? Why not Salem Fields Community Church, Philippines? Why not Kelly, why not have Kelly be our global campus pastor and work with our folks in Nigeria and our folks in India and bring all of that together under one campus? Why not? And so I'm excited today uh, as we begin this process of launching SFCC Philippines and as we uh, stand beside reach Philippines and bring one person at a time out of darkness into the light. And you know what happens. He's already shared the scripture with you. That one person as they reengage has a have the ability to bring more people and more people. And so what we're asking you to do is to stand. And so when you leave here today, uh, there'll be a table out there and Kelly will be, Pastor Kelly will be at that table and he'll be able to give you more information on how you might engage reach Philippines before he leaves. I just want to pray for him. Uh, I love this idea of God giving people amazing dreams and then we, uh, us coming behind them and, and around them and, and supporting them and, and encouraging them and praying for them and giving to them. And, and my, my prayer is one day, one day, not into t- too distant future, that God might give us an opportunity to go there and be a part on the ground in the Philippines uh, and be a part of rescuing young ladies and young boys and girls from the darkness and helping them see the light. Would you, uh, would you stand for a second? If you're at home listening, uh, you can take the posture that you want to. But we want to pray for Pastor Kelly and his family. Um, and, and as we pray, uh, launch them into what God has called him to do. And I not only called him, but equipped him to do. I I, I sat in in our office one day and I was talking to him and God gave kind of put this thing in my mind and I said, Kelly, there's going to come a day, there's going to come a day when all the forces of hell will try to come against you while you're there in the Philippines and you got to make up your mind right now that when that day comes with the power of God, you're going to stand and you're going to keep on going and he made that commitment and I, and I believe that with all of my heart. And so this is not the last time that we'll pray for him. This is not the last time that we'll be thinking and giving and partnering with him. But I want to take this opportunity to pray for him and, as it were, uh, launch him into what God has, uh, has God, what God has been preparing you your whole life for. It's the most amazing thing in the world, how it works. Father God, I thank you so much for Pastor Kelly. I thank you for everything that you've done in in his life up to this point. I thank you for this big, hairy, audacious dream that only you could dream and only you can make happen with the help of your people. And so, Father, we pray for him. We pray for his lovely wife and their family. We pray for all the red tape that has to happen for this to take place. And so, Lord, right now we we pray for kind of all the immigration stuff that has to happen and all the money stuff that has to happen and all of that stuff. Father, we know that you're bigger and you're, you're the God who's large and in charge in that situation. And, Father, I just believe right now you're at work making, working things out. So that he can get there and that he can join his wife and their family and they can begin the process of leading children out of darkness into the light. Father, help us to every time we think to pray. Help us to even begin now praying for that one, that first person that God has laid on his heart. That God would bring that person into his his view And that 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 person, that he would be, um, that God would give him everything he needs to lead that one person out. And then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Father, we pray that you would give him favor in the eyes of the government there. And Father, we pray that you would help us to take what amounts to a cup of coffee each day. And Father, that we would reinvest it in something that's going to live, outlive us way into eternity. So help, Father, help us not to shrink back. Help us to move forward hand in hand through prayer, through giving, and through going. We thank you for what you're going to do ahead of time because faith is not faith is not just thinking it might happen. Faith is thanking you for it happening and then seeing you do it. So we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. Please have a seat. Got a couple announcements, and then uh, we'll be done. Um, just uh, as you, we've just got finished talking about giving, and one of the things that we do here is, is giving, and we have all kinds of ways to do that. You can go on an app. You can go to our website. There are buckets outside of the doors here. There's a Stripe card, but it's, it's about worship, right? And, and here's my philosophy about this. When, we, when God gives our lives, he gets our wallets too, right? With our lives come our wallets. And so uh, we thank you for your giving and uh, above and beyond tithes and offerings, we thank you for that and uh, want to let you know that uh, if you're a first time guest, we're glad you're here, whether you're worshiping with us online, globally, at home, here on the campus, uh, we just thank you. We welcome you here, we're glad you're here. And uh, you can take a connection card and you can go to our website and go online and there's a connection card there and you can fill that card out. And uh, that card will be our way of getting to know you better. And we promise we won't bang down your door, we just wanna get to know you better and how we can serve you. Uh, the other thing we want to just say to you uh, is that the Brisbane 5K race is coming up. We've been planning for this for a very long time, and if you are interested in volunteering uh, for that race, and we're going to need many volunteers to pull that off, I think we've got about 125 folks who have registered for that race and we're really excited about that every registration fee and and anything that goes be any of the donations that go beyond kind of the administrative costs all will go to the brisbane center the brisbane homeless center uh and so we're excited about that if you're interested in volunteering you can go and sign up for that if you're still interested in racing and being a part of racing you can go online and you can register for that as well and then last but not least uh, and, and on The 23rd, I think it is, uh, 11 o'clock a.m., we're going to have baby dedications. And so if you want to have an opportunity to dedicate your child to the Lord, we're going to be doing that on that day. And you can go online and get more information about that. If you want to know anything about kind of the news, that uh, the things that are going on here at Salem Fields, there's a cue card that you can scan as you leave the building, and that will get you the news uh, that you can use. We're so glad that you're here. Um, you know, we're, we're glad that things are starting to kind of open up with uh, the pandemic. And, uh, so we are going to on mission and vision together, and we're glad that you're joining us on that. God bless you. Love you guys. Wait for the ushers to dismiss you. Bye-bye.
4: Well, aren't you glad that you joined us for worship today? It's been awesome to be together from all across Virginia, across the country here in the United States and around the world. And I want to invite you to to join Pastor Kelly in his mission. You can go to reach.ph to find out more and also ways that he talked about the ways that you can support, that you can give and that you can be in prayer for all that's going on. So thanks again for joining us. We're glad you're here. Join us next week when Pastor Jason is going to share about a special call that God has for him, uh, serving military members. You won't wanna miss that. So thanks again, God bless, and we'll see you then.